Hello everybody and welcome back to whatever. Let's get started. Merry Christmas everybody. It's been a little while since I've put out an episode. Um, hope you enjoyed the last one. Um, it's been crazy. This year has gone by so fast and um, I don't know, the heaven, our newest addition, you know, Amelia, she's 10 months old now. Um, it's crazy. She's quickly approaching one years old. This this year has just gone by so quickly. Um, I have a couple just anecdotes to share with you today. Um, and if I'm talking quietly, it's not to sound smooth. It's to keep my kids from waking up. Um, but I, I, you know, last year when I did my Christmas episode, you might remember that I talked a lot about the customer service experience with shopping and why my wife and I opt to as, to do as much online shopping as possible. And that was a very valid argument. And many of you I know shared that sentiment with me. And this year it has definitely not gotten better. Um, the other day I was at a restaurant called Pita and it's you know they do gyros and it's Greek food and I'm sitting there at the table and I look over and I saw you know um, like the manager or the shift leader or the owner I don't know come back from behind the counter and sit down with the young man at a table directly across from me who had been sitting there waiting for a few minutes and I quickly realized that she was doing an interview and as I watched um, this interview unfold. I was there for like 15 minutes watching this. I mean, I was done eating and everything. I just sat there because I couldn't believe it. This guy was sitting there kind of hunched over, like barely making eye contact with this lady talking to him, like square in the eye. And, And I look over and he had AirPods in. I don't know if it's in both ears or not, but he had an AirPod in the ear that I could see on his left side. And um, he wasn't hiding it. Uh, and I never saw the interviewer, uh, the lady, I never saw her make any motion to him or like any gesture to please remove them. And it just struck me that we're to the place now in our culture where you can be as tuned out as possible to the point where you can not even give someone the respect of like your full attention that even job interviewees don't even care and then the interviewer doesn't care enough about what that might represent in a future employee that they're willing to tune you out and to not give you their full attention and then I know people in the comments, I know people are going to say, oh, well, he probably wasn't listening to anything because you can do the, um, um, you can do the turn the noise cancellation off and you can hear the transparency mode. I don't care. Um, and I have AirPods and I can tell you that that is true. But for me, it's distracting. If someone's talking to me and I have headphones on, I can't keep them in and talk. It, for one, I feel disrespectful. I feel like I'm not giving that person 
the respect of my attention. If that person is taking time out of their day to talk to me and, and address me, I they deserve it as at least the effort, the very minimal motion of me to reach up and take my headphones off or take them out, whatever it is. And it, I mean, it was the entire interview. It was just ridiculous. And, um, and I, you see it everywhere. Uh, last year I talked about this. I had the episode was called take out the, the AirPods and it's the exact same thing, except I've noticed it just being worse. It's like everywhere you go in Walmart, you go in Target, you go in food places. I mean, it's literally unbelievable. I, I, I forget where I was. I think I was at a Taco Bell and I pull up to the drive, like, you know, and the dude turned his head and had AirPods on and I had pulled up and he opened the window and I went to pay and I said, hello, how are you doing? And it was in the evening. It was like, I don't know, like eight or not, eight or eight thirty or something like that. And the, he, the dude wouldn't speak to me. And, um, and he had air, AirPods in. Chances are he was so tuned out. He never, never heard me, which just, if that's true, it, it strengthens my argument. But if he did hear me and was tuning me out, well, that's just, it's a, that's even a bigger problem because he was delivered with being a jerk. But, you know, that's, that's my tirade. I guess I'm going to, I'm going to use this whole little five and a half minutes to throw in as my daily gripe thing that I'm, you know, I'm going to start doing. I'm going to, every episode, I'm going to have like a little gripe or like a little irritation that I share with y'all. Um, but today's episode, it's going to be a couple of things. One being the holiday season and Christmas time, you know, we all hear, um, or we're all familiar with, uh, uh, this song, you know, that goes chestnuts, you know, roasting by an open fire, you know, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. So got me, um, thinking and I started and I heard a story um about the American chestnut and um so I thought I'd read you a little bit about it and this story I was uh, watching reading about was entitled um why we don't roast chestnuts anymore and um it's interesting I I've never had a chestnut nor have I desired to have one or you know I've desired to watch them roast over over an open fire, but I've never decided to eat one. But so I, I um got on the World Wide Web and aka WWW and I came across the history of the American chestnut tree. So uh, for those who may not know, the American chestnut tree apparently used to be everywhere. Like it was in incredibly common and widespread so i'm just gonna do some reading here for your your delight this is the history of the american chestnut tree um and its relationship with humans is a tale of bounty tragedy and ultimately of hope and redemption the american chestnut foundation's goal is to develop a a blight resistant american chestnut tree and to restore it to its native range across the eastern united states the American chestnut. I'm not going to try to say its scientific name because it'll sound stupid. But the American chestnut once dominated portions of the eastern U.S. forest, numbering nearly 4 billion trees. 
the tree was among the largest, tallest, and fastest growing in these forests. For many centuries, the original inhabitants of the Appalachians coexisted with the American chestnut. The nuts provided an abundant food source, and uh, the indigenous peoples responded in kind by managing the landscape to provide habitat for chestnuts. Humans benefited not only from the chestnuts themselves, but from the immense opportunities it created for wildlife. Chestnuts are dense with calories, rich in vitamin C and antioxidants, and the leaves contain higher levels of essential plant nutrients than other local tree species. This made the chestnut beneficial not only for the humans of an ecosystem, but for every level of the food chain. Chestnut leaves were, were favorites of, um, I have no, no idea how to say that word, but some kind of insect, um, who by breaking them down enriched the forest floor with nutrients. Insects feeding on chestnut's leaves were then eaten by fish or birds and other larger animals would feed directly on the chestnut um, mast like squirrels, deer, bear, and turkeys. As European settlers arrived, they soon learned that chestnut wood was rot-resistant, straight-grained, and suitable for furniture, fencing, and building materials. It was preferred for log cabin foundations, fence posts, flooring, and caskets. Later, railroad ties and both telephone and telegraph poles were made from chestnut, many of which are still in use today. So I'm sure it will say this here later in this writing, but uh, apparently the chestnut tree is often called the cradle to the grave tree because you would have your cradle made from chestnut and then your coffin uh, would be made from chestnut. The American chestnut tree was a significant uh, contributor to rural agricultural economies. Hogs and cattle were fattened for market by um, silvopasturing them in chestnut-dominated forest. Nut ripening and gathering nearly co uh, coincided with the holiday season, and late 19th century newspapers often featured articles about railroad cars overflowing with chestnuts to be sold fresh or roasted in major cities. All of this began to change in the late 1800s with the introduction of a deadly blight from Asia. In about 50 years, the pathogen Cryphotheria parasitica reduced the American chestnut from its invaluable role to a, to a tree that now grows mostly as an uh, early um, successional stage shrub. There has been no new chestnut lumber sold in the U.S. for decades, and the bulk of the 20 million pound annual nut crop now comes from introduced European or Asian chestnut species, or from nuts um, imported from Italy or Turkey. Despite its dem demise as a lumber and nut crop species, the American chestnut is not extinct. The blight cannot kill the underground root system as the pathogen isn't able to compete with the soil microorganisms. Stump sprouts grow vigorously um, in cutover or uh, dispersed sites where there is plenty of sunlight, 
but inevitably succumbed to the blight. This cycle of death <laughs> and rebirth has kept the species alive, uh, though it is considered functionally extinct. The American Chestnut Foundation is working to develop a blight-resistant American chestnut tree through scientific research and breeding and to restore the tree to its native range in the eastern United States. And then you can support the blah, blah, blah. But yeah, uh, so apparently the chestnut uh, used to be everywhere and now it's not. I would have never known unless I had read this uh, article earlier. But so that brings me to our very Christmassy part of the episode. We're all familiar with this phrase right here. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. So this song was um, written by Mel Torme. I guess that's how you say it. And <clears throat> this is a Christmas song, and we, we all sing it at Christmas time. But the history of this song is rather interesting. Um, uh, because this song was not written anywhere near the Christmas season, and it really was not intended to be a Christmas song when it was written. So <clears throat> this article says it's entitled The Christmas Song. It said, it was a sweltering hot July afternoon in 1945 when Mel Torme showed up for a writing session at the Toluca Lake House of his lyrical partner, Bob Wells. Mel let himself in and called out for Bob. No answer. He walked over to the piano and there resting on the music board was a pad of paper with four lines of a verse. And they read, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Now, all right, before we go on, I want to say folks. Do y'all say folks or folks? This is a this is a weird weird word for me because I know how it's supposed to sound, but I can't say it the way it's supposed to be. I want to say folks, not folks. So it's it's a weird word for me. Continuing. When Wells finally walked into the room, dressed in tennis shorts and a t-shirt, Tomei asked him about the little poem. Um, it's so hot today. I thought I'd be writing something to cool myself down, Wells replied. All I could think of was Christmas and cold weather. The chestnuts roasting on an open fire image was a memory from Wells' from Wells's childhood in Boston, where there'd uh, be vendors in street corners of Christmas... Uh, uh, sorry, there'd be vendors on street corners at Christmas serving up paper cones full of roasted chestnuts. I think you might have something here, Torme said. Sitting down at the piano, he flashed on a melody idea for the opening lines. Wells grabbed his pad and pen, and the duo was off and running like a bobsled down a snowy hill. As Torme uh, relates his in his autobiography, in um, Improbable though it may sound, the Christmas song was completed about 45 minutes later. Excitedly, we called for Carlos Gastel, who was manager of Nat Cole and Peggy Lee. They sped into Hollywood, played it for him, then for Johnny Burke, and then for Nat Cole, who fell in love with the tune. It took a full year 
for him to get into a studio to record it. But his record finally came out in the late fall of 1946, and the rest could be called our financial pleasure. Though he's not always mentioned in the same breath as legendary male vocalists such as Frank Sinatra, Cole, and Tony Bennett, Mel Torme was uh, every bit their equal. His ability to scat sing was second to none. Ethel Waters once said that Torme was the only white man who sings with the soul of a black man. And Bing Crosby called him the most fantastic musical performer I've ever seen. A former childhood radio actor and vaudeville performer, Torme had several hits, including Careless Love and Coming Home, oh, sorry, Coming Home Baby. But he did much more than sing. He wrote over 300 songs, played piano and drums, arranged for orchestra, acted in movies and television, penned a couple of the best-selling biographies, The Other Side of the Rainbow, his book on Judy Garland, is especially insightful and even found time to fly airplanes as a commercial pilot. And though his low-key recording of the Christmas song isn't nearly as well-known as Cole's, it's worth seeking out for his fireside intimacy. So there you have it. It's uh, It was a song written in the summer because some dude was uncomfortable. It was so hot outside, and then here we are. Of course, I don't know why you, you're, you're trying to think cool thoughts your first uh, your first thought would be something around a fire but um anyway yeah i mean it's um it's definitely still frustrating to me this year that our society is getting so lazy uh, there's zero desire to have a customer experience anymore and it, it's only going to get worse unless management um cracks down on it and is willing to maybe lose some manpower because I, I think and I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine a shout out to Dave I was having this conversation with him today actually we were in Peachtree City driving around and looking at Christmas lights and I, I brought up this story about the interview and he told me that you know uh, I mean it could very well be that um management especially in like chains where they're you know they're not locally owned places so they have they have a hierarchy to report to that you know with the shortage of manpower and people willing to come work and be in the store that may you know they're they're being told you gotta just we're gonna have to just let things slide because we need warm bodies to fill the space and you know i would i want to i would argue that you don't like if you have i mean I would be willing to frequent a place that would even that would even close earlier, you know, so I could have a decent experience in that place and to go into a place that's open till midnight like Target and Walmart are right now and be treated like garbage. Um, you know, I mean, unfortunately, uh, everyone's got to, you know, get food. Everyone's got to go to this grocery store. And the fact that these places know that they're, basically never going to go out of style and so well the customer is going to pay the penalty for their lack of management skills is unacceptable to me and it's it's just frustrating so this year you know my wife and I also did um, a lot of our shopping probably like 90% of it online like we did last year and next year who knows it might be closer to 
100%. I mean, that's that's not feasible. I mean, there's just no way every single item can be purchased online. We all know that. I'm not going to be unrealistic. But I will try to be optimistic that um, things will turn around um, if management gets sick enough of it and if enough customers like myself and you out there listening have had enough and you know say something about it you know um i know that's not always comfortable to do because lord knows i don't want to see anyone lose their job but at the same time i do so merry christmas hope you have a happy new year and as again these are my thoughts mostly these are well some of my a lot of my opinions in this case but whatever (laughs) 